You are live with Get Connected, Canada's number one tech radio show. I'm your host, Mike Agarbo, along with John Beeler. We have a great program for you today. Uh, later on, we'll be talking about uh, CEO accountability in the tech space. I think we know a lot of the big names, the Elon Musks, the Mark Zuckerbergs. Well, what does it mean uh, when things like data breaches uh, happen? Well, Mark Zuckerberg could be facing some pretty big consequences uh, due to Facebook data breaches. We'll explore that and what uh, could happen to other CEOs when things go wrong as well inside their companies. We'll also be talking about Apple rumors. Uh, Apple's having their big worldwide developer conference coming up very shortly. And there's some interesting rumors uh, coming down the pipe that we're going to uh, explore. Things like uh, virtual reality headsets from Apple. Will that happen? Well, we'll, uh, we'll see. And uh, John got his hands uh, on a really cool portable gaming console called the Steam Deck, uh, which is turning out to be a pretty powerful uh, little uh, gaming uh, device. But let's get into some of the uh, the news, uh, John. This was uh, kind of uh, interesting, and we've talked about this, uh, you know, over the years. Uber and Lyft are uh, jacking up prices again. They're they're essentially burning through cash. You know, if you looked at their balance sheets, they have not made a profit in years, if ever. No, they've they they have been doing everything in their power to find a way to become a profit center, including trying all kinds of different things like Uber Eats, for example, sort of their spinoff. And they've, they've dabbled in a lot of different things, all trying to find the elusive cash. Well, I guess it's easy to come into uh, any industry if you've got a lot of uh, investor capital behind you and basically subsidize your pricing at the expense of the investor money, really. And, you know, that's what they've pretty well done around the world. You know, when they first hit, uh, you know, a lot of the, the North American cities, their prices were incredible. They were like literally half the price of a, a taxi. I mean, they still have the convenience factor. I mean, using a, an Uber or Lyft app is just so much more convenient uh, than trying to do the old school way of, you know, phoning a taxi or, or hailing a taxi. I know the taxi companies are catching up with their own apps, but um, they've only got so much cash, John. I mean, it's just a matter of time. Well, I think the other big thing that, that probably affected them quite a bit too was the fact that at first everyone saw this as being like magical, like you just described. It was low cost. It was easy. You didn't have to really interact with drivers too much. You don't have to deal with payment issues, all that kind of stuff. But now every city has their own ways, cities and provinces and state and country even have their own ways of sort of dealing with these kind of services. So there's been a lot of money spent on lobbying, a lot of money spent on sort of swaying public opinion for advertising. Like they had to spend a lot of money just to be allowed to offer this service, let alone actually offering the service. I mean, they are literally losing hundreds of millions of dollars uh, a, a year. And I don't think it bodes well uh, either, John, like you were saying, for the delivery services uh, either. I know Uber is trying to capitalize on their existing driver base by offering things like Uber Eats, but there's all these other companies like DoorDash and Skip the Dishes. Um, they have yet to turn a profit uh, as well, even though they're taking big chunks of uh, money, you know, not only from consumers, but from restaurants uh, as well. And they still can't turn a profit. Yeah, it, it seems to be, unfortunately, a kind of a flawed business model. It's a cool idea, but we're going to make money with it, right? That, that you can apply to the food delivery, you can the, the car services. 
even like the scooter rental companies too, like those guys as well, all struggling. Cool idea, but it's not easy to make money on something that is that affordable or accessible to people. Yeah, no, it's it's been inter- an interesting ride, so to speak, John. I've I've noticed over the years. I I do like uh, using Uber and Lyft. Just the convenience factor is fantastic, uh, and it's great, you know, to be able to keep track of all your receipts and things like that as well, and not have to uh, pull out your Visa card or cash all the time because it's just kind of hard baked into the app. Uh, but I've noticed uh, the pricing definitely has gone up. You know, there are some routes that are a little bit cheaper than taxis, but for the most part, uh, they're they're getting up there as far as the uh, the cost, especially for uh, the shorter runs. I'm I'm finding. You know, if I'm in our office uh, and I, I need to get into the downtown core, I don't think they're really cheaper than a, a taxi anymore. No, I don't think so either. Uh, on the last trip I did, I, I took a I took a taxi to the airport and I took an Uber home, and it was uh, actually pretty close in price for both of them. Well, John, uh, I live in White Rock and, you know, obviously our studio is in, you know, downtown Vancouver. Uh, I still find it cheaper to use an Uber. I I think in some cases, um, I think it's about 55 bucks from my house to the studio. A taxi would be close to a hundred dollars. So there are some of these longer runs that I think, you know, it does work out cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think my Uber to the, from the airport was a little cheaper and, and, Honestly, I think the convenience also outweighs any price differences as well. Um, but yeah, I just wonder how long we're going to be able to have these services because at some point they're going to be uh, priced out of the market either or they're just going to not be able to continue. Well, they're going to run out of cash. I think uh, there's going to be a reckoning over the next five years and uh, obviously a major consolidation between uh, these um, lift ride companies and, and the delivery services. Uh, moving over to... Networking gear. Uh, you know, we've talked, John, a lot about uh, Huawei. The government's now banning the Huawei's 5G networking gear here in Canada. But uh, what took me a little bit by surprise is they also are banning their 4G technology as well. Uh, and there's some places, uh, Saskatchewan, uh, they've uh, got uh, their telecom there, SaskTel. Uh, those four folks aren't happy about having to rip out their 4G gear. No, because these are smaller companies that just don't have the deep pockets like some of the big guys do. And they spend a lot of money putting this just so they can offer service to their customers and they have to pull it out. And the government's not even subsidizing or paying for that removal. Yeah. So, you know, essentially uh, the minister responsible for SaskTel, his name's Don Morgan. uh, He is basically quoted saying, the thing that they tucked into this was we must also stop using this existing 4G equipment, even though there's never been a risk. It's a fundamentally different product. Yeah. And and 4G is not going away anytime soon, John. It's going to be around for many many years. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's it. I we we talked about this. It makes sense from a political standpoint. They're standing with our other uh, partners in other countries that have made a similar stance, but it's really going to hurt the consumer. Yeah, in Saskatchewan alone, uh, they're estimating uh, it's going to be about a $200 million replacement cost. Good times, I guess, if you're one of the other uh, competitors, eh? like uh, Ericsson or Nokia. Yeah. But I'm also wondering, well, what kind of screen are they have now too? Yeah. It's a little little crazy. Uh, Elon Musk in the news again. When when is he not in uh, the news? Uh, he's basically telling all the people uh, in the Tesla and SpaceX offices uh, to be back in the office. Either be back 
in the office for at least 40 hours a week or leave the company. I like how he says at least 40 hours a week. Isn't that the full week, John? <laughs> well, yeah, maybe it depends on, on jurisdiction. But yeah, that's a, that's a solid week for most people. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's interesting. He's um, he's looking to buy Twitter as well. And there's like all sorts of crazy stuff happening with that. But uh, Twitter famously came out uh, this year and said that uh, they're – thousands of employees no longer have to come to the office. Uh, if they're productive, they can work anywhere in the world they want. So I wonder yeah. what happens if he takes over Twitter. Well, it's interesting. I, I, I saw something that he said that he assumes if you're an executive at Tesla and you're not in the office that you've quit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Mike, you're not in the office. Did you quit? <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. No, I, I mean, the times are changing, John, definitely. And even for our company, it's it's been kind of challenging, right? Like the pandemic obviously affected all workplaces and, you know, we all had to work from home. But now what does it look like going forward? You know, we would like to see a hybrid office, but during the pandemic, we've hired people that don't work in Vancouver anymore. We've got people in Toronto and Victoria, uh, you know, London, Ontario, we can't force them to come into an office. Do you know what I mean? So how do we force our own employees that live in Vancouver to come into the office? Yeah. Well, maybe you just need to start buying us lunch all the time. So you're saying bribe you with snacks. Well, you already do that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. We're going to have to take a break, but we've got a really cool show today. We'll uh, be talking about some of the really interesting Apple rumors uh, coming up ahead of the big worldwide developer conference, including, uh, a new reality OS that could point to some new headsets or glasses from Apple. Uh, We'll also be chatting about uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Could he be facing major consequences due to the Facebook data breaches? And when we come back, John's got a really cool new uh, portable gaming device uh, that he's going to give us a lowdown on. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Still lots to talk about in uh, today's program. Later on, we'll be talking about the latest Apple rumors uh, ahead of their Worldwide Developers Conference. And could Mark Zuckerberg be facing some major consequences due to the Facebook data breaches? Uh, let's talk about uh, a cool new device, John, that you finally got your hands on. I know you've been dreaming about this for a while. Uh, it's called the Steam Deck, and uh, it's a portable little console. It's got a, a pretty sizable screen on it and kind of controllers on both sides. Give us uh, kind of a, a, a better description on, on what this is and, and how it works. Yeah, think of it like a, it's basically a desktop gaming PC crammed into a slightly larger Nintendo Switch case. And it has uh, some really nice beefy uh grips on this on the back that you can hold on to so it it really feels like it's meant for like adult size hands whereas the switch is really meant for any size hands and uh so it definitely feels bigger than the switch and it also um is a quite a little powerhouse um i pre-ordered mine last summer and unfortunately i was a little late to the game and my pre-order won't be shipping until october at the earliest but a friend of mine, Colin, thank you, uh, he loaned me his. He ordered his. He tried to get it this, the minute the pre-order opened up, and it took him two hours to complete the transaction. There was so much demand for this device. And so it, it's been out for three months, and he just got his this past week. And he lent it to me to play with first. How, how much are these things, John? 
They start at $4.99 Canadian, which actually is pretty reasonable for what you get, considering that the same price point will get you basically the new OLED uh, Nintendo Switch. And this is a gaming PC with uh, all the bells and whistles. It's running a version of Linux, but you can also install Windows on it and play all your Windows games on it. So is it as powerful as like a, like a, a desktop PC? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of these games have been optimized using Steam's uh, game library. And so they have a sort of a classification on their, on their service where it'll tell you if this game has been, you know, it's great for Steam, Steam Deck, or, you know, not quite there yet, but it still works. And it seems to be something that's changing all the time. There's well over a hundred games and these are all like triple A titles. Like I just put the, the newest uh, Elden Ring on it and it plays phenomenally well on it. And the nice thing is, is like you can play this, you know, like a Nintendo Switch portably, but you can also just plug in uh, an HDMI uh, to it and plug it into your TV. They're coming out with a dock for it as well, which has been delayed slightly because of the supply chain issues that allows you to sort of dock it and you can use a wireless controller and basically play it like a console on your TV. And John, um, you're big into retro gaming as well. Is this something you can run emulators and stuff on to play some of the older uh, game consoles? Well, the, yeah, that's really why I was interested in it because it is, like I said, a full-blown PC, essentially. And someone's come up with something called emudeck.com. If you go there, you can download a piece of software, you put it on the Steam Deck, you launch it, and it does all the work for you. It'll install every emulator, almost every ever known to man there. It'll create the subfolders. You just have to add your games to, uh, say, a, like an SD card, which you can plug in and you can put as big as one you want in there. And you can put all your games on it, and then it plays them. It, it's hard to say, like, it's not flawless, because it depends on the emulator, depends on the game, depends on all these types of things. But in my sort of play time with it this past few days has just been unbelievably good. There's some games that never really ran well on anything other than on a computer, and these run just as well. So some of the old games that took a lot of extra horsepower, like there's a game, I don't know if you remember, Hard Driving, it was like this driving game with vector graphics and it was very, or blocky graphics, not vector, sorry. And it was just really fun to drive and play, but it was never emulated very well on any of the, the handheld systems that I had beforehand, like the Odroid, which we've talked about before. And it runs almost flawlessly on the Steam Deck and it'll play like PlayStation 3 games up to that. And it'll play, you know, you name the console or the arcade machine, it'll play it perfectly. Or very and, close to perfect. And how is the screen compared to like a Nintendo Switch? Is it the same size? It's a little bit bigger. Um, some people have complained that it's not quite as nice as the uh, the new OLED version of the Nintendo Switch. But honestly, we've been playing with it for a few days. It has great viewing angles. It looks beautiful. Uh, you know, the, the the blacks are could be a little bit blacker, but they're they look really good. I mean, you're not going to complain about it. The interesting thing about it, though, is there's three versions you can buy. There's the base model, which is $499, which comes with a case, and that's about it, and 64 gigs of internal storage. The second model up, which is actually the one that I have, comes with a case, has a 256 gig internal storage SSD uh, drive, and then there's the top-level model, which has a slightly better screen and uh, 512 gigs of storage. So... That's interesting because of the fact that Valve, the company that makes it, um, they have actually made all of the parts for the device, like every single part. 
right down to the screws and, and bolts and everything you can imagine available through ifixit.com. So you can actually, if you break your screen or you want to upgrade your screen, you can just buy that replacement part. And they already have uh, sort of like a tutorial on how to do all that stuff, which is really kind of cool. We've never seen that in a, in a handheld game console where literally you can buy every individual part direct from the manufacturer with a guide on how to install it. John, we've got about a minute left here. Who is, who is this game console for? I think it's for the hardcore uh, game people, for sure. Uh, if you want to be able to take those 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 AAA console titles or those PC titles on 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 the on the go with you, no question, it's guaranteed. It's built for you. But what really surprised me is just how well and how simple it is to do all the emulation stuff you could ever imagine on this device. Plus, also, you kind of have a desktop PC that you can take with you as well. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Still in the show, later on we'll be talking about uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook man. Could he be facing major consequences due to the Facebook data breaches? We're going to explore that and just kind of how accountable like the actual CEOs of some of these big tech companies are when these types of things happen. Right now, though, we're going to talk about Apple rumors. Uh, John, uh, the big worldwide developer conference is happening. Uh, happens uh, every June, typically. Uh, But there's some pretty interesting rumors uh, coming out. And I guess one of the bigger ones, John, would be Reality OS. What are we uh, what are we hearing? It's it's always funny to see how uh, people sort of pick apart every single trademark filing and everything like that. One of the things that has sort of surfaced is that um, Reality OS has been uh, trademarked and it's not by Apple. It's by Reality O Systems LLC, which is assumed to be a fake company set up by Apple to hide its trademark filings. So basically they're trying to sort of set all this stuff up so they can just do the proper unveil, but people have figured out that this is probably Apple based on some other information that they have. And also the fact that recently we heard rumors that the uh, Apple board was shown their headset, which is presumably running Reality OS. So again, really interesting. Um, The last we'd heard, this might be 2023 to 2024, but the fact that there's so many things that have been sort of popping up lately about this, we might actually at least get a taste of it uh, next week at WWDC. Well, they've been going hard into augmented reality, building the, you know, essential hardware, you know, the chips into the phones themselves over the past uh, few years. What are you thinking, John? You think this is more kind of augmented reality, kind of, you know, like glasses where you can still see the outside world with, you know, graphics and and animations overlaid? Or are you thinking more of a virtual enclosed headset? I definitely think it's going to be an augmented reality or mixed reality, as it's also called, um, where you're going to have something over top of the real world. I don't see Apple going down the virtual reality set because that requires a whole other set of sort of software and services and specifically usually games to go with that. Um, I think they want to sort of warm uh, the consumer up to this kind of approach and then sort of improve it over time and get it to the point where you can actually just put it on when you're sitting at your couch or whatever and sort of get into the VR world. But I think augmented reality is probably the way it's going to go, at least to start from Apple. Um, everything seems to sort of point to that. Like you said, the last few uh, few years, I think Apple's been sort of embedding these little secret augmented reality cookies uh, into the 
the announcement information. So if you scan the, the Apple homepage with your phone, you'll actually get an augmented reality sort of invite kind of thing. And so they've been playing a lot with this stuff. And I don't imagine they were going to go directly to VR from that. So also in the rumor mill, uh, perhaps a new search engine as well. Are there many details on this? Not a lot, no. Um, but it, it is very interesting that all, you know we're going to have a new search engine. It's no secret that Apple and Google have had sort of different opinions about the search world, if you will. Google's business is based on the advertising to people while they're searching for stuff. And Apple has always been about the privacy aspect of things and not tracking your your movements on the internet, that type of stuff, and giving you the options to turn off those trackers having their own search engine, I think would certainly go a long way to help build trust in that space by, you know, saying, Hey, we're not advertising to you in the search engine. You can just use the search engine and, you know, find stuff on the internet. So we'll have to wait and see what happens next week. And finally, one other big one. Uh, I, I think we're going to be waiting to hear about the new iPhone 14s. I don't know if that's necessarily going to come out at the worldwide developer conference, but maybe more so in September. Uh, they're talking about iOS 16, which is uh, the next uh, version of their operating system that uh, will uh, come out typically in the fall time frame, uh, about having always on screens, on the lock screen. That's kind of interesting. There are a few phones that do that now on the Android side. Yeah, Samsung's been doing that for quite a while. And it actually is really handy because they have you know these special cases that you put on around your phone and covers your screen, but it has like a little window and you can actually see like a notification or at least the time, those types of things. Um, it'd be interesting to see if Apple does do that with, you know, they've, they've had some pretty, um, you know, amazing screens the last few iterations and definitely going all in on the OLED side of things. So uh, certainly it's possible uh, that they could do that. Uh, I would just want like to see how they would do it differently than the competitors. It's, it's interesting time. Uh, I think for Apple, John, I, I don't really think of any kind of new, advancements they've made over the past few years. Uh, everything seems to be kind of uh, a newer iteration of a previous uh, project or, or, or hardware device. Uh, do you think that the mixed reality headset would be their next big hurrah? I think so. I mean, you mentioned sort of the iterations that we're seeing. They made a pretty big leap with their M1 chipsets. Fair and, enough. Yes, that you're technology, right. right. But that's also very important to make augmented and virtual reality work properly is having a very powerful but low power um, or sort of chip that can run all this stuff, right? That's not on your phone and you're not tethered to a backpack or some other silly thing like some of the other uh, systems that are out there in the VR and augmented reality worlds. The... Um, I think all these things are all converging to to position Apple really well for this type of uh, stuff. Uh, I'm uh, I'm sure they're not going to release it until it's ready because that's typical Apple. Um, but definitely when they release it, we're not going to not know about it because it's gonna, probably going to be one of those almost, it, it's hard to say if it's going to be quite the iPod moment, but it's probably going to be a pretty big moment. I'm just, yeah, I'm fascinated for to have a, a mixed reality, John, like, how do you make that mainstream? Yeah. Like, it's interesting. The watch, the Apple Watch, they have basically just taken that over. Before the Apple Watch, you know, we were, the watch market had been really hurt badly, uh, obviously, by phones, because now everyone's just got a clock on their phones. But Apple came out with 
a wearable device that was more than just time, obviously. It was uh, uh, everything to do with exercise and, and health uh, as, as well. And now the Apple Watch is like the number one watch in the world. You know, and if they're going to go to mixed reality, are they going to come up with their own headset or glasses? Or will they give that technology like they do with CarPlay to glass glasses companies? Well, I, I kind of hope they do that. I, I kind of hope they give it or license it to other companies because then we can have like different headsets. But like you said, the Apple Watch is ubiquitous across people that wear watches. And, you know, it's very typical Apple style. So I just don't know if they're ready to get into eyewear because that's really what we're talking about here is is some type of thing you wear in your face. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see how that uh, all goes down. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Can talk about uh, CEOs and how they might be personally personally responsible or liable for some of the decisions uh, they're making. Case in point, uh, a lawsuit uh, winding uh, around uh, the District of Columbia in the U.S. Uh, the Office of the Attorney General there uh, is uh, suing Mark Zuckerberg for his participation in the decision making that allowed Cambridge Analytical uh, Analytica. Uh, and uh, the the data breach, and so this is kind of an, an interesting thing, John, where they could go after executives directly for these types of things. But that's what happens in the regular business world. Why wouldn't it happen in social media business world? Well, they're they're social celebrities, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know how they would prove. He, Mark was involved in that process or whether it was, you know, his minions or, or what, but it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because there's, there's a lot of potential things that this could sort of open up as far as like a can of worms, because it's one thing to, you know, this privacy data breach scandal with Cambridge Analytica, but what about all the other people that have been affected by social media in general, right? Like, there's no there's there's a lot of examples of people being bullied on Facebook or Instagram or some other place to the point where they take their own lives and you know I could see families then wanting to go after those services because these services basically made it possible for this tragedy to happen just like the the the, the privacy scandal that happened right and so it's really going to make these companies become I think much more accountable as soon as we have an example in, in the courts of someone actually being held responsible for a bad decision about a specific uh, policy or uh, service to implement into those services. Well, the lawsuit claims that it was Zuckerberg's decision to open Facebook to third parties that allowed the likes of Cambridge Analytica to harvest a massive cache of user data that was essentially used to manipulate the 2016 uh, election. Uh, It also says uh, that Facebook, uh, under uh, Mark Zuckerberg's direction, allowed this to happen and continue, even in the case of uh, the Cambridge Analytica, for two years after they knew that they were manipulating the, the data. Yeah, exactly. I mean, part of it is he opened the door to it. He might not be responsible for what those third parties did with the data, but he gave them the data. So there's that. But then, like you said, when he knew what they were doing with it, he still allowed it to happen for two years. That that seems not good for him. <laughs> 
I know, but where do these go? Do they just settle out of court? Is like this a criminal trial? Like, do you know what I mean? Well, that's the other thing too, right? Like, you know, what kind of trial is this? And as we know, Facebook can just dig up some couch change from their waiting room probably yeah. to, to pay this off, make it go away. Well, you know, back in 2019, if you remember, the FTC uh, imposed a record-breaking fine of $5 billion, uh, $5 billion, John, uh, over the charges that it included deceiving users about the privacy of their personal data uh, and uh, essentially directed them to institute reforms uh, that made them more accountable. Yeah. Brazil Brazil also levied fines of $1.64 million to Facebook. Not the same as $5 billion, but, um, you know, they're getting fined everywhere. Yeah, but the same. You know the guy that with the with the fast car that gets speeding tickets all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't mind that he's paying for speeding tickets. He's got a fast car. Yeah, and, and the if same he can thing here. if he can afford the fast car, he can afford the speeding tickets. Exactly. Yeah, but and, John, that's, that's what we're seeing here. Yeah, but John, the guy with the fast car that keeps getting speeding t- speeding tickets eventually gets his license taken away. <laughs> well, yeah, that's when Mark retires to an island. Uh, but you know we see that with other uh, some of these big personalities like Elon Musk I mean he is constantly stepping over the the wrong line with well especially with these big companies that have you know multiple billion dollar valuations and how a single tweet can influence the market because of something he says or something he's intending to do like you know when he talked about buying Twitter and then 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 when he's like, okay, well, I'm going to give you this much for it, but maybe I should pay less for it. And like, you know, like, and again, just in a couple of tweets, he was able to, to manipulate the stock price of a major company and not be held accountable for that. But he's done that a few times with his tweets, really. Well, he's done it. He's a repeat offender. He's, he's the, the guy with the fast Tesla. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. But they're not cutting him off. Do you know what I mean? No. They're not taking his license away. No, I mean the SEC is trying to do something about it, um, but then he's just you know claiming he's being stifled on Twitter, and I I, I don't know how much weight these financial regulation uh, regulars have for influencing anything, other than preventing him from maybe opening another company or something like that. It just seems that they keep finding these guys. Or their companies. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no real hard consequences. No. No, and I think they know that. Well, we'll just have to follow this uh, this latest uh, lawsuit uh, to Mark Zuckerberg and see where that uh, all goes. We'll keep you uh, in the loop on that as we get more uh, details. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John uh, Beeler. Uh, John, in the news this week, Tim Hortons, their app has tracked too much personal information without proper consents. What's going on? Yeah, this is not good. Uh, the Privacy Commissioner, uh, the Office of the Privacy Commissioner in Canada on Wednesday released their findings of a joint probe by federal and provincial privacy commissioners into the user tracking and data collection practices of the mobile app from Tim Hortons. And essentially what happens is if you download this app, it was tracking your location uh, and recorded it every few minutes of every day that you've had the app installed and that can be as long as two years this has been going on uh, and this is even if the app is not open and running essentially when you've installed this thing you've given it 
your location permission so that it knows you're near a Tim Hortons, for example, so that you can pre-order your coffees and stuff. And that uh, authorization just persisted the whole time. And it was sending Tim Hortons your location the entire time, every few minutes. You know, I wonder, John, do you think like the executives even know that? No, (laughs) no. (laughs) Well, there's two ways to look at this. Is this something that was just like an oversight where someone, you know, didn't hit a checkbox and it was supposed to turn off that? Or is there something actually nefarious going on where they're using that as marketing information somehow? Yeah. We may never know that specific, you know? Yeah. But they, they, they basically had a bunch of recommendations for Tim Hortons to, you know, delete all the location data and third-party uh, service access to the stuff, um, maintain a, a privacy management program, and also report back the details of the measures it has taken to comply with the recommendations. Basically, what have you done to fix this problem internally with the app? And, and uh, Tim Hortons has apparently complied with those or accepted all those recommendations. I always wonder who figures this out to begin with? Like, it's not like the government's got the resources to monitor every app out there for this. No, it's people like, it's people like us that, that they notice weird traffic on their phone when there shouldn't be. Yeah. And so then they dig deep in it. And apparently in this case, it was a journalist that discovered this tracking had happened. And he noticed that there was some uh, excessive uh, location information going from his phone to the internet. Yeah, able to track it down to Tim Hortons. That uh, reporter was uh, national from the National Post. His name's uh, James uh, McLeod. Um, yeah, I just uh, I find it fascinating that people can figure that out, John. Uh, but it's good. It, it got to hold these guys uh, accountable. Like privacy is such a a, a rare commodity <laughs> anymore. Really, when you think yeah. about it, if you have a phone, you don't have privacy. No. Okay, don't forget to listen to our sister show, The App Show. It's uh, on Sundays uh, on the Chorus Radio Network and Saturday nights uh, in uh, Toronto. Uh, Great program uh, coming up uh, tomorrow. We'll be talking about uh, the Rogers-Shaw merger. Uh, Both uh, companies have agreed to put that on hold uh, until the Competition Bureau figures uh, their stuff out. I want to thank John and Robin and all the rest of the folks that helped put the program together. We'll see you again next time.